welcome you back to FinTech Hawaii's Human Humane Architecture show. This happening to be our 284th show. And thanks to our producer, Eric, here you see which accumulated viewer you are. Thank you for that. And we're back with uh, three of us already in volume uh, 19, I guess so, or 18, somewhere there with the Boston Banish Booster, with Matt Noblet, who runs the Boston uh, Banish office, and we think we need his booster. And we, as us, the Soto Brown in his Bishop Museum, and me, Martin Despang, in his Grand Hotel in Waikiki, that the drywall people are knocking on the door. And we're going to talk about technology in macro and micro in a biochromatic way in a second. Welcome, guys. Before we get back to the subject matter, some breaking news here. And I pass this on right away to you, uh, Matt, because you're the most expert on this happening as of a few days ago. Yeah, um, I think it was Wednesday of last week, um, about midday. Yeah, um, Rafael Vignoli passed uh, in his office, which is probably where everyone would have expected it to happen, uh, just knowing his kind of total obsession and dedication to being in the office and working there. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was obviously somewhat unexpected, but, uh, he was 78 and it, uh, had, uh, influenced a lot of people's, um, careers. Certainly mine was started there after spending about nine years, um, with him. And, uh, obviously that, uh, makes a big impression. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're. I think I would just say we all uh, are thinking about the the folks left behind in the office, and they're going to forge forward, I'm sure. But um, and of course, his family. But uh, yeah, on sort of a, a sad note to end the week last week. And yeah, and just like you, DeSoto, and I, we we actually had a heads up on Jimmy Carter, our mentor in many ways, and since he gave us a heads up, we were able to thank him in one of the recent shows and intuitively you met too because when we shared a couple of shows ago that you know you had your apprentice years there you already thanked him for that and you said you learned a lot so i guess um you know he could have heard that when he was still around <laughs> hopefully hopefully he heard it so where he, he was probably he was probably like fifteen thousand one hundred and seventeen number. <laughs> yeah, and you know, architects dying in their office and being their dream. That reminds me of of your business partner Stefan Banish, who in that uh, tandem bicycling show shared with everyone to say, "I don't want that to happen." And learning from his father Günther, who couldn't let go, and so he promised himself and the audience to say, "I want to." You know, I have these great partners, business partners, as you. And they are, they're ready to keep the ball rolling and they don't necessarily don't need me anymore that much. You know, that's another way that, that he was sharing with us. Mm -hmm. right? And um, people on a, on a brighter note, on a, on a better note, people influencing us and having mentored us, that gets us to the next slide, which is the other breaking news on a more positive level here. And this is about uh, what, Basically, the, uh, the, 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 the biggest award, the Nobel Prize of Architecture is the Pritzker Prize from the Pritzker family in Chicago. And it went to David Chipperfield this time. And uh, talking where we got the news from, you said you, had, you heard about the passing 
of your former boss through Uruguay, right? Through a colleague from and, and a newspaper from there. I had the, uh, how did uh, uh, um, our friend um, Ron Lindgren call himself an octogonarian, I guess, if I remember that correctly. So he and his, and, and my dad, Gunter Despang, were both faster than me in giving this news to me. <laughs> and basically uh, sharing that with us here is the email by by Ron that he that he sent to me, and um, in in this case, what what Raphael was for you, David, uh, you know, is for me in a in a more informal way because um, many years ago, actually, about almost a quarter of a century now, that's how time flies by. He was coaching me and giving me an award by the Architectural Review that um, is also about what Stefan and Günther had going on. There is obviously collaboration, but as Stefan shares, there's also competition. If you're the son of an architect, that you know, is both you know, easy and also not so easy. So we, we, share that, we share that as well. So the sort of emerging part of us represented from me applied for this award with the tram stations. We were one from, I think, 30 chosen from 900. And then um, David was uh, fighting for me and convincing Billy Chen, who had some worries about the tram stations being too decorative in their multitude of materialities, and he was convincing her. And, uh, you know, the, the book, uh, you and I, uh, through your note, LB, and our kindergarten are together in the fade and the following fade in the destination architecture. We happen to be side by side, uh, us with the uh, canopies for the uh the subway in bochum so he's following me within that typology of transportation and um again um i'm happy for very happy for him for having gotten the award and let's contemplate about that a little bit from our angles i uh, it's sort of a return to um the last uh pritzker prize is while in the in the in the in the sort of original past they always went to architects who did very sort of um, upscale, um, you know, projects on 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 a on a large sort of a civic scale museums and you know large buildings of of various kinds. Well, in the recent past, the jurors went more to uh, people with like social approaches, like the French couple and the guy from Portugal, right, who did social housing, and now it sort of defaults back to that. Chipperfield does more of the project typologies that architects got the Pritzker Prize originally for. However, what you hear now being echoed in the press, uh, less uh, with a stark architectural attitude, although this year in The Guardian, which you know Ron forwarded to us, it says from, from shop designers to architect, but in all the interviews you hear with him, He's very refreshingly the non-architect, and it's more the opposite that he says. All these people are actually more talented than I, and um, you know, I faked it at the very beginning. And uh, you know, the way I, I, I don't think this is marketing as far. You, you can never tell unless you you meet the people in person. You know, my my father had the chance to actually hear him speak at an event in uh, the both Gunther's home in Dresden recently, and got that sort of same same impression right and i want to uh, point out the the where where you guys are touching base architecturally met is in hamburg because you built the uh the marco polo tower there 
some years mm -hmm. ago, and he won a competition for the the Elbe Tower, which Elbe is the river there, the Elbe. And that Elbe Tower is supposed to be, I think it started, it broke ground already, and it's, so it will be it will be next to you. And while there's a there's a video out there that I recommend that, and this is all the Berlin office of Chipperfield that I mean is doing a lot of the work. It's not the original one in the in the UK. And they have this sketch there, this napkin sketch there, where uh, they have Herzog de Moron's uh, Elf Philharmonie, which, by the way, is one of the three most controversial projects that got us Germans, make, makes you guys think about German engineering and sophistication, because they all ended up being, you know, delayed uh, uh, too much and also budget blown too much. And so, uh, anyways, there's a sketch of the Elf Philharmonie that they say, oh, we just basically do this ensemble of continuing or completing the, the swooping curve. Uh, well, that might be on the macro level, but on the micro level where we're going next to study further your um, the, the making of your thinking of the architectural detailing here, I'm more optimistic by the, and this is a, a, a pre, preview of a show to Soto, uh, you and I want to do that's working titled uh, Tropically Tempered or so. We're going to talk more about that. This is the uh, the facade mock-up of um, the Elk Tower, which is something that we rarely see here in the U.S., but we almost mandatorily see in Europe. Um, Matt, right, and we're going to see on slide five, hopefully getting there, me letting us get there soon, um, we will see that you can do this sort of just to check the aesthetics of it, which is often done that way, but also to check the performance. So I'm, I think uh, if we were to talk to David about it, I would say he's uh, less looking at the Alp Philharmonie, which in all honesty is pretty much a microwave on top of a brick chunk because it's all glazed without any uh, climate or you know, sun mitigation. And, and he seems to be more inspired by, by you guys who, who spend a great amount of uh, consideration to the bioclimatic performance, which we are, I'm happy to see. And there are these louvers, and uh, they remind us of some louvers. We're um, uh, always sentimental of uh, DeSoto, right? Yep. Yeah, that's if I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about our favorite all Moana building that had our. Uh, very innovative exterior vertical louvers, which pivoted on their vertical axis according to what the position of the sun was. They were mechanized to do that. And that was way back in 1961. So you'd think if we were able to do that then, we'd be able to be even more innovative now. And I don't think we've done that here, although I think what Matt talks about in terms of the, speci uh, the uh, specifically made metal shades that they created for the building is pretty darn wonderful through this uh, innovative method another innovation of hydro um, forming of the metal rather than just stamping it with a regular stamping machine yeah potentially coming full circle and one more note on the on the left column there which is uh jay once provoked us to do a couple of shows about what we call cynical classicism, which is the Trumpian classicism versus cultivated classicism, which we think Chipperfield is pretty much in the tradition of a sort of rejuvenation of classicism. And certainly, uh, you know, Ron uh, reminds us that Ed called himself and was proud of to be called sort of a neoclassicist in an innovative 
versus a reactionary way. And also, I think Ron um, is of the same kind of, of David Chipperfield, the very talented and successful and powerful architect that is very humble and understated. And you see this in what the email of Ron is called. It's basically named after another fellow British man, John Parsons, 74. So I think now maybe I change my email to runlindgren at roadrunner.com or something. Like no, that. you don't get to do that. In, you don't in, do in that. wanting to live up to that, to that tradition of the, the humbleness of, 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 the, of, of these people, uh, basically. And, and, and again, like, um, you know, as you were touching on uh, the DeSoto on, on passive systems in and uh, not a, an active way, but in, in, a, in a frozen and not mechanically moving way, as uh, we just experienced and, uh, just this morning again on my routine stroll through the Halikolani, where we took the students and I decided to go back today into the studio from there because they got their roll down, wind shades down. They're like totally, you know, like a sail. And it's just awesome. We have really heavy winds here. And as I was reading it, we were... Further, when we get to that show, DeSoto, um, I, it's too small here in that show, in a pre-show view of the at the bottom right. But on the architect's website of Chipperfield, they talk about the louvers, uh, that this sort of second skin uh, that is not made of all of glass, but made out of vertical fins and horizontal metal grating um, is, is of static nature and not of dynamic nature, again, because of the maintenance issues that we learned the hard way with our favorite Alamoana building. And that's uh, doing the same, um, you know, um, taking the same position that gets us back, uh, next slide, to your hydro forming. And uh, now, yes, we got that video up. So please, uh, when you wanted to run, let, let Eric know and, we, and explain us what we see. Yeah, we so, so these, are, these are just some still images of, of um sort of the pre-process leading up to the to the fabrication of these uh, shading elements that we've talked about in the past here. You see at the top, uh, my colleague Michelle uh, looking at the the molds, the solid stainless steel molds that were used to press the, the, the metal into the into the form and to give it its shape. Um, and then the uh, the lower two images here were uh, basically mistakes or sort of uh, throwaway versions where we we were experimenting with different thicknesses of stainless steel. We wanted to try to do this with just one millimeter thick stainless, um, but you can see there, it just wasn't stable enough. Um, some of the molds actually tore when they were pressed um, or drawn very deeply into the mold. So ultimately we, we went up to 1.5 millimeter uh, thick, but it's just kind of demonstrates that with this kind of uh, technology that is, you know, seldom, uh, been used with in architectural applications. Um, you need, you know, programming for a bit of of trial and error is a wise thing. <laughs> we knew it would work somehow, um, but we just it was fun to test these things in this way. And then I think probably the next slide is this uh, video, which which illustrates what happens with that mold that Michelle's looking at um, when it's picked up and and set into the hydroforming uh, machine. And the water is injected into the into the uh, the mold here. So you see the that's the that's the sheet of, st of stainless going over the top of the mold, uh, and then it goes into this sort of magical device, uh, and the water is injected through the top a top that's lowered down onto the uh, onto the mold. And as it comes out here, there's a bit of oil mixed in with the water, uh, but they take that out of the mold then, and um, 
clean it up, and then it goes through a, a later series of processes here with a five-axis uh, robotic laser, trimming the edges, uh, perforating the outer several inches of the panel itself, and um, basically giving it uh, its its kind of final form. Here they were um, bead blasting the exterior to give it a slightly dull finish on the outside, something that would weather more uh, more appropriately for for the uh, the climate here, um, and then. Uh, there's a fairly extensive amount of kind of post-processing of the of the elements to make sure that the dimensions are correct and geometry all matches precisely to what's been uh, that what we modeled. And of course, there's a little bit of uh, of human interaction here um, as they finish these off and put them in crates and uh, ship four. Uh, I guess well, about twelve and a half thousand of them to Boston to be installed on the building. Matt, I have several questions after watching that. You sent that to this to me last week. First of all, were any of these just mirror images of each other, uh, or were each of these four completely different? There were some that were able to be uh, that were essentially essentially like mirror images, right? So you could um, you could kind of use two, you know, like an east and the west. It's basically kind of a mirror of itself. Um, and then there were some there were some. Each of the, the orientations, northeast, southwest, had sub had sort of subsets um, of three or four variants uh, that allowed us to sort of play a little bit with the, the 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 texture on the outside of the building and also react to the areas where people are looking out more and where it's just covering up uh, the floor thickness. So we were so some of those are actually were able to be cast out of the same mold as well. Okay, so there actually were, you did vary the exterior uh, for some aesthetic reasons in addition to the performative ones too. As long as the, the geometric addition, uh, modifications for that are kind of what you called aesthetic, as long as they continued to perform exactly. So you can have, you can yeah. basically have, an, have a, a slope surface that can be, you know, either more or less sloped, but then it has to go out further. To, to catch the same angle. So there's, you know, within a certain specific geometry, there's still very many yeah. variations on that you can do. Okay, and and then did you, I mean, one of the things that we've talked about is the IBM building here in Honolulu in which Vladimir Osipov designed the exterior concrete sections so that they were not, they would not collect debris and that birds couldn't roost in them. Mm -hmm. Did you, I'm assuming, made some similar decisions, performative decisions, not just for mitigating light and sunlight or controlling it, but for those uh, keeping things clean, in other words. I have to say that the, result, the, the, the geometries that we were studying here for purely sort of solar reasons, sort of almost by definition, were sloping or of a, of a, of a geometry that they, they would, they mostly shed the snow um, is what I've noticed here over now three winters. Um, and, and then of course, um, birds don't particularly like to roost on surfaces that aren't more or less horizontal. So, um, so that worked out pretty well. Yeah. DeSoto, there's your favorite uh, Massachusetts childhood snow out there too. No, that's not my favorite. No, no, no. no. Okay, and, and going going back to we're really heavy on guys here on the mail in this show. Sorry, going back to Michelle, because today is also International Women's World Women Day. So to all the ladies in the world, uh, congratulations. And you got um you showed to us, um, Matt, at the very beginning how the office 
offices and comprise and you have at least equilibrium or it even seems to me there's there might be actually more uh, power of females in the office than male so i think we're actually slightly above 50 percent there so yeah there you go and michelle thank you again was also with us the little show quote there in in a review in the last semester and uh, there is all the German in there for you to soda. Edelstahl actually means stainless steel if you haven't figured. And down there, Musta means sample, right? Oh, and, okay. I wondered yeah. what that was. I didn't know what that word was. And I thought, is that a strange spelling of the word master? Because this yeah. is like master. Mm -hmm. No. And R&D and, and is research and development. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, there you <laughs> go. That I know. That I know. Okay. And then uh, since we know you guys are, are people and planet friendly, then the people would say, okay, stainless steel, how sustainable is that actually? And you um, gave that some thought too, some considerate. And so that gets us to the next slide and tell us about that. Yeah, so um, as, as, the original kind of concept for the, the shading system, we. We, we knew geometrically what we wanted to do. We really hadn't figured out how to build it. And so um, initially we were thinking in more conventional ways about how facade elements like this are, are built. And uh, very often that's done with uh, aluminum plate, which is fairly light. It's uh, aluminum is lighter than uh, steel, but it is not as strong and it needs uh, more thickness. So, um, but as we kind of went through this process and began to talk about maybe being able to do it in uh, stainless steel that was either folded or ultimately what we ended up doing, which is more of this kind of creased uh, and, and hydroformed stainless steel, we were able to drive the actual material mass down considerably, as you can see here, and the corresponding carbon uh, uh, embodied carbon in the shading system. So all of the all of this kind of led to a very in a very positive way, not only in terms of carbon, but also uh, the amount of structure that's needed to hold up this shading system on the outside of the building and the result, resulting forces on superstructure. So it's yeah. really, I think, a good story about, um, you know, how engineering components uh, can be optimized uh, really with, with some creative thinking. Absolutely. And that you usually don't get in the conventional, conventional or traditional architectural around, you know, as far as Frank Gehry's office or you know, when Michelle talking of her, she was trained by Tom Main under Tom Main and Morphosis. And um, while, you know, Tom more than uh, basically Frank is keen on how the building performs in operation. But then again, um, you know, a building, yes, costs eight times as much uh, at the end of the life cycle through um, mainly its operational costs, but also its initial cost, right? So. You're obviously already good. You're making a building that then you know has a as low as possible carbon footprint in the operation, but you also want to minimize um, that that footprint in its manifestation in in its you know erection process. Okay, and now that we don't uh, fall short on it again for the last couple of minutes, <laughs> we're going to show you that facade. A mock up that is performative in many ways. And uh, if we can get the next slide up and the, actually the moving one. And that reminds me totally, we have a crazy windy day today, DeSoto, right? I mean, this is simulating yes. conditions we have naturally today. And you tell us what this all tested, Matt. Uh, so basically, here you see those shading elements kind of aggregated on a section of uh, wall that's um, representative of, I think this is about, this is 
two stories tall, I think, or maybe even three um, with each of those modules. Be, uh, each, each, every sixth module is a floor height. So uh, what we wanted to test here was um, the integrity of the structural system. So this is basically all con uh, erected on high tension stainless steel uh, rods that span from the bottom of the, of the wall to the top um, and then just are connected horizontally by the shading element itself. So we wanted to test that, uh, the actual sort of movement of this uh, system and the kind of the visual effects. We also were beginning to test here the acoustical performance of the perforations in those those um, panels. So we wanted to make sure that there would not be any whistling or unfortunate noise generated by those those perforations. And that's all done here at the, the, at the factory site of um, the fabricator, which was uh, Joseph Gartner in Gundelsing in Germany, southern Germany and Bavaria. Um, with one of their two giant, uh, that's actually a, an old airplane propeller. That's what's traditionally used to do, to, to perform these uh, kind of wind and water tests. And that's very important. It sort of reminds me of one of the other tragedies uh, of buildings that aren't anymore what they used to be. This one is even more tragic because the Alamana building, hopefully they at least retain but our my employer at UH uh, has announced that they want to tear down Kaikendal Hall, which is by our hero Takashi Anbi. And that one, as we were pointing out in the respective uh, UH show, we did had originally also vertical uh, shading fins on. And one of the excuses they took these off were rattling. They were rattling in the wind and it is very windy up there. So, you know, we're saying even if that was the case, well, then that was then and now is now. And <clears> one could be smarter these days and can retrofit that, right? But back to the original because they made sense. But again, for all the designers, architects around, especially in areas with high wind, as we have it here, especially today, you might want to uh, consider that. And as you said, the Soto back then, you know, under Asipov and the more analog, now we have, as you met, show us a variety of a mixture of analog and digital tools that we can all sort of, you know, predict that and, and also then sleep better because then, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, we know more that it actually works and, and, and our clients won't be disappointed. And, uh, and I, I have to admire that the high tech that's been on display here, that the fact that this factory's got an airplane engine to test that in, mm. in the whole world. I mean, no, really, how many places are you going to be able to do that in, in life? Oh, in, yeah. in the States, in the States, there's two locations where you can do this. Uh, I believe one yeah, in Miami and one in Pennsylvania. That's, that's only two in <laughs> and, the entire and, country. And, and potentially here, because I don't know if you realized, I'm sure you did because they're flying over you constantly. Oh, yeah. They changed the routes for the for the the planes coming in as of yesterday i was like what is that are these like fighter jacks which we unfortunately yeah. have more than before as well for unfortunate <laughs> reasons but these are the the passenger trains that they decided to fly over you and me since yesterday yeah so we yeah. got and plenty of airplane right. engines here yeah too. that's the, that's the wind uh the direction of the wind but they also for for like this week the military planes are flying in a different pattern too. So in yeah, addition yeah, to the yeah. wind noise, we're getting a lot of airplane noise. Yeah, uh, That's just another whole subject of noise. But you did say, Matt, that, that part of this was to determine whether these were not going to make noise in the wind. And that may seem trivial, but it is not. 
And if no, your gut skin is constantly making noise, it is actually damaging to your body to have to endure that. Yeah, right. ultimately, ultimately, these had to be taken to a, a lab to have that testing done at even a, another level of detail. But um, this was the beginning. Yeah. Okay, and this is also the end of the show now at the same time. So we're at the end of another exciting 30 minutes. And guess what? We will show you more levels of development. Next time, we're going to start out with a construction document of the whole thing. So stay tuned for that. And until then, please stay um, biochromatically beautiful, beautifully biochromatic. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.